Welcome to Round the Rotary with me, J.P. Warren, and with us today, we have a very close friend of mine, Andrew Taylor, a drilling engineer at Callan Petroleum. How are you doing today, Andrew? I'm doing good, J.P. How are you? Doing all right. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being on today, and uh, just to kind of give everyone a frame of reference on when we're recording this, uh, we are currently in uh, stay-at-home orders, quarantine time, so uh, we're doing this remotely. So we can, uh, so po- apologies about the uh, audio, if there's any, uh, any lags or delays. So Andrew, thanks for, uh, thanks for being here. And I guess to start things off, give us a little background about yourself. Uh, wh- wh- where were you, where you been and where are you at now? So I've got about 10 years in the industry. Uh, I graduated in 2009 from Texas Tech in petroleum and I went to work straight in the field out in Arkansas working the Fayetteville Shale. I did about three years of field work in drilling, completions, production, and I uh, was ready to get my teeth wet in some uh, engineering and design work. So I came over to Carrizo Oil and Gas here in Houston, and I was with them for a little over seven years. And then uh, we just got done with the recent merger with uh, Callum Petroleum and still in the, uh, the same role as a drilling engineer with them. Right. And uh, last summer, I started my uh, executive MBA over at the uh, University of Houston. Nice. How's that going for you? It's it's great. It's been a great program thus far. It's it's really complementary to the to the industry, and in that there's a lot they 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 try to focus on a lot of oil and gas stuff, given their uh, student base. And Andrew, can I call you Andrew? You may. <laughs> All right. Perfect. What led you uh, to behind this decision of to pursue a, an MBA? I think I've always wanted to get some sort of a graduate degree. I didn't know really what that was, um, whether that be a a master's in petroleum or an an MBA. I knew I wanted to do something like that after a couple of years of being out of uh, undergrad. And it was really just time to, it was really time to get the ball rolling last summer with, um, you know, kind of getting the, uh, the family, uh, situation squared away, you know, marrying a great girl and having two really good young boys. It was time to, time to get it started. I could, I could kind of feel the, uh, the clock ticking away if I didn't. So, uh, it was, it was just time to get it started and, and I knew it would help my career in, in some way, shape or form. I'm curious to see the benefits of uh, an MBA or an executive MBA during times like this, or even when kind of things uh, push forward in the near future on how beneficial that would be. Well, I am too, honestly, Uh, with the recent change in the, uh, in the industry, I I feel like most oil and gas operators value that they value the business side of, of, of the engineering just as much as I do. Um, it was really just a matter of trying to get something to complement my engineering skills. Cause I think, I think more often than not, we're kind of getting past the, uh, past the time of just working your, your way up the ranks of, of just being an engineer to, to get, to get into some, um, you know, upper level management positions. I think nowadays you really got to have something that, that differentiates, differentiates yourself. I'm kind of curious on to see what the, uh, the, uh, the surge or intake on uh, next year's MBA programs would be around the Houston area. Well, that's a, that's a good point because I'm starting to hear at least through the U of H circle that it's, it's going to be tough to keep these classes full moving forward. I think wait, keeping them full. 
Yeah. I Why think, is that? Uh, I think these, um, some of these programs, you know, they're very limited to begin with in their student base. And I think they, they kind of follow some of these downturns and economic slowdowns like the rest of the world does. Um, I think because a lot of these kids are kids, a lot of us students <laughs> are, are uh, uh, a lot of these companies are sponsoring their, 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 their tuition. So if some of that goes away, that, that takes away a, a fair chunk of their, uh, their student body. Okay, interesting. So I guess uh, you have a different perspective on everything, uh, being not only a, an executive MBA student, but also a drilling engineer um, after a merger. And with everything going on right now, what do you see, if you had a crystal ball, what do you see the future of the uh, oil and gas industry kind of uh, coming into after, after it shakes itself off and after the dust settles? What do you see the, it being like? I think we've really gotten to the point where we've lost a lot of the allure that we've had leading leading up to this uh, this most recent downturn. And what I mean by that is it became pretty apparent in 2014 that all of our backers that that were really, um, in a sense, calling the shots that they were tired of us growing production and were ready to start seeing some money return their way. And I think that's that's still going to be tough to do um, moving forward. And as a result of that, I think we're going to start to lose a lot of these uh, investors that, that really want to try to that that would normally stay in our industry. And I think there's going to be a, a big shift more towards the the, the recompletion of wells. Personally, okay. I think we're kind of getting past the, uh, you know, the, the, the big drilling bubble. I think some of that's starting to subside um, with all these wells that we've had and really starting to see some of the parent-child relationships that a lot of people talk about in all these different basins and how spacing is just so critical that I think it's going to be a big push to maximize returns on what you've already got in the ground instead of putting new wells into the ground personally. So lower cost of capital too. That oh, yeah. Into that. Okay. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, there, they, and there's still a lot of reserves that we haven't even tapped in these wells that we've already drilled and completed that that we that I think we're going to have to continue to go after. All right. So what else? What else are you seeing in the? Uh, where do you see uh, this? I guess changing from um, not only the operator side but also the service side. What, what does that look like? Does that look like? I guess with less financial backing um how does that translate to i guess the 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 playing field that we're in i i i can i feel really bad for a lot of these these service companies these days i mean it's we, we all have to go after the lowest price and we have to do a lot of different things to get it uh a lot of these negotiations are tough to uh to get that price that we we feel that we need to continue working and I can, I, I really feel for a lot of these guys who are put in these really, really tough situations on trying to maximize their own profits while still keeping operators happy as much as they can. So what, what would keep operators happy, I guess, at, um, after this kind of uh, plays through? Uh, you mentioned price, uh, low price, um, but I, we had a conversation. Uh, price, low price often means that's what you pay for what you get, right? Yeah. So is that going to be kind of the decision-making on what 
service provider that you do select or will that be a more of a relationship or will that be what, what, what impacts, uh, I guess someone's just, or you see the operator's decision on selecting a service provider. I think operators are going to have to be a lot more open to trying different vendors than they, than they normally would getting out of their comfort zones. And, and with that comes the risk of kind of getting what you pay for. But I think if you're if you're going after the lowest well cost possible, a, a big part of that is going to be these service costs. Um, so if if you're not willing to go after a low cost product or service and try it, then you're just and if you're you're just not going to be able to make the the strides you need to keep getting that well cost down. You can hammer on hammer on folks that are already working for you till they're, you know, blue in the face. But if, um, if you've got another option out there that, that is worth considering, you need to probably take it. So how has your job, how has your role evolved um, since all this, uh, the, the quarantine, since the, pretty much the crash of the, the, the oil market? Well, it's been, it's been interesting trying to get used to this remote working um, you know, I think a lot of us are, you know, they, they don't like going to the office five days a week. Um, that can get a little mundane too. Uh, but this is kind of obviously the complete opposite of going into the office. So right. I think we're all, we're all getting used to how to, how to converse, uh, through these different media of, of platforms, uh, zoom, microphone, Microsoft yeah. teams, house party, FaceTime, et cetera. Hangouts, et cetera. And I can, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm starting to see a lot of people lose their patience, um, as things don't go the, the right way when they try to have these meetings, uh, with a lot of different people involved. Um, and I think it's just a matter of, of us not being very, you know, good at handling these technical difficulties. Um, and I think the, I think managers really need to be aware of that because it can really, it can really drag down the efficiencies and productivity of some of these meetings um, if they're not held the right way. It's so, one of those. It's I agree. It's one of those things. I mean, this is we are forced right now to do uh, video conferencing, video meetings. Um, we're forced in that role. So that being said it kind of is up to management to understand the software and learn how to use it. Cause if it's not effective, you're right. I mean, you're too distracted on uh, another little window on their computer versus the message that your manager is trying to, to communicate with you. Right. So, yeah. I mean, so what kind of a, what, so besides technology, do you see a potential a shift uh, with the workforce potentially work from home half the time and the office? Or you think once this is kind of the, everything's lifted, it's going to go back to nor- uh, normal or what was normal. Well, yeah, I've always been the opinion these these the, the major oil and gas operators and the the, the bigger independents they'll be the first ones to kind of roll something like a a mixed work environment um, into their into their companies. You know, smaller independents. I think the, a lot of us are still stuck in the past on some of these traditional work uh, work schedules, um, even though they. I think they're all pretty much aware they need to kind of get with the times a little bit here if they want to attract a, a younger workforce. Um, Cause a lot of these jobs, as you know, are really demanding time-wise. Um, right. 
with the, the 24-7, 365 operations um, and not just in drilling. But um, I think that this may be a good pivot into something that could be a half and half type of situation because we have all these different tools now that are that are at our fingertips where we can be just as effective at home as we could at the office. And I think with as especially a, a town as like Houston, as spread out as everyone is, is that, um, that, you know, trying to get to the office and back home five days a week, it's, it's really taxing on people, um, especially those with young families. It's extreme. I mean, that's right. It's, Houston's extremely spread out. I mean, you got people living 60 miles away from whether it was Woodlands to Katy, uh, Folsher. So I guess with everything going on, uh, how, uh, how would you, uh, give advice or counsel on uh, how would you see people, for example, approaching you right now? How would someone, a service provider, first off, get in touch with you? And not only that, uh, show some level of differentiation. I mean, what could, what could people do to set others, to set themselves apart during these times? Ooh, that's a very good question. This is a very good podcast. <laughs> and I don't, know if I have a really good answer to that um, because it's it, it really gets into the times that we're in right now which right. Are desperate and I think a lot of us understand that maybe some of us don't respect that as much as others but if someone's real if someone's willing to to reach out to me on a very very uh, maybe not even such a professional level, but more of just like a get to know you type um, email or phone call and where we could maybe start off with the, uh, the friendship more than we could the business. I think for me, that would be the, the ticket right now, just because, you know, just all these unsolicited products and services, and this is what we're doing here. This is who we work for. It's just the same thing. Email in and email out. And it's so mundane. But if and you can reach out and, and get personal, I think that'd be a very good start. I think that's, I mean, I think with our industry, um, I think that's kind of what separates us from most industries. Uh, to my knowledge, I mean, I might be naive, but that's the one thing that I love about our industry. We do have some of the best friends in this industry. We have good yeah. people. I mean, it really is an oil field family. It is. And it I is. think you need to have that relationship, not just now, but moving forward. Yep, yep. And I tell you, the bonds and the friendships get stronger during these uh, these downturns. Well, hopefully they do. And that, I mean, so that being said, what what kind of uh, opportunities do you see arising from all this chaos? Ooh, you know, we kept hearing, I guess maybe up up until the last downturn about the you know the the, the great crew change or whatever that was. <laughs> I think we've heard that for about last uh, 11, 12 years now. Yeah, getting. Getting, um, you know, getting a lot of uh, some of these more senior uh, folks that have been in the industry for quite some time, um, kind of get letting them retire and 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 kind of hoping to see some of our, this younger talent move up into these these roles that uh, that frankly the, the businesses and are are evolving with the industry and with with everything else outside of the industry itself. I mean, we've got to keep up with with this. Um, some of these younger millennial trends and things like that. And, you know, we're, we're very well known for being stuck in our ways, but um, I'm hoping that we can start to see um, 
so some of the younger folks take on more senior roles and adapt the, the companies that they're put in charge of to um, a different industry that's probably going to be the case when we get out of this downturn. And if you get those younger people kind of taking those more senior levels and all stuff, that might actually propel these companies that we're talking about to adapt the uh, uh, work from home to two days a week or, or, or let's do this conference. You don't have to be in the office. You know, you don't have to be in the office for this conference. You know, we right. just do it via online. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time. And I've uh, any messages or uh, anything you want to communicate to our audience? Well, I would, I would just say that it's, uh, it, it is a very difficult time right now. However, there's going to be a lot of opportunities that, that are going to present themselves as we, as we get through this thing. Um, whether that be inside or outside the industry, I would just, I would just keep tell everyone to keep an open mind and, and keep, keep a keen eye on some of these potential opportunities that may benefit you or your company. Um, you never know when the next, uh, you know, the next step change in technology may come calling that, that may be what you need to take your company to the next level and, and don't be afraid to try it if it does. So don't bury your head in the sand. Look That's at right. this as a potential opportunity. I like that. Well, Andrew, thank you for your uh, time. Do you have anything you want to discuss or bring up with me or, or are you good? I'm good, JP. I, I really appreciate you having me on. It's been a pleasure. Well, thanks for being here again. This is Andrew Taylor with uh, Callum Petroleum Drilling Engineer. And if you'd like to have any questions uh, for him or request further information, you can email us at roundtherotary at cap-petro.com. Again, that's roundtherotary at cap-petro.com. Thank you, Andrew. I hope all is well. And thanks for chatting with us today. Thanks again, JP. All right. Take care.